Welcome to Word Processing, a resource of Oak Ridge Bible Chapel. Listen in as we discuss issues of God, His Word, and His people. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Word Processing. My name is Andrew and I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge Bible Chapel and I'm joined with Pastor Josiah today as well. Hello, hello. We are going to talk about a piece of writing, actually, Josiah, that you did a while ago, a blog that you posted on our church website last year, I think, sometime, but I came across it again recently. And the topic at hand was six different ways that people read the Bible. And I am well aware that some of our listeners may have read this blog post, and uh, if so, I apologize for the overlap. But I really thought it was interesting to think through this idea of how and why people read the Bible, and I thought it could be an interesting discussion for today. Let me read just this intro quote that you had in the blog, because I think it really sets our expectations in a good place. It says, Just as all who climb behind the wheel of a vehicle don't have the same destination in mind, so too all who read the Bible don't share uniform intentions, expectations, and ambitions. Not all are bad, but they are different. That is the ways we read the Bible. So how do you read the Bible? Why do you go to the Word of God? What are you expecting? And should you, or could you, read it differently than you do? So really, that is what we are talking about today, Josiah. We're talking about the ways that people, not necessarily just churched people, but the reason that people will pick up a Bible and open it and read it. What are those reasons? We're going to go through six of them, all six, and just talk about these topics, discuss them a little bit, how we can, I think one of the things that was really cool that you included is how we can pray for people who are at that point, perhaps in their spiritual journey. So I thought we could talk about that today. So the first one you have listed is some people read to scoff, so to not take it seriously. Yeah, for sure. There are people who are against Christianity or who are, we could call apologists for atheism or secularism or whatever the case may be, but they still can pick up and understand the words of the Bible, right? But they are reading it with the intention to disprove or to mock or to show how it is not what it claims to be. Mm -hmm. And so the intention is at least spiritually malicious is to take down God's word. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've seen specifically, especially in the Okay, I sound like such an old person when I say this, but like the social media era and the, the era of posts and blogs and topics and links and videos all being shared around. I like the word they use there, almost apologists for atheism. Like the number of things I've seen where it's people specifically taking a Bible story or Bible passage and trying to explain it away with the purpose of turning people away from a, a biblical understanding. Mm-hmm. I know the one that comes to mind because I've seen it so many times, it seems to resurface every couple of years is trying to disprove the plagues in Exodus as natural events that make sense Mm -hmm. and just happen rather than something supernatural, for instance. Yeah, there's lots of that that goes on. Paul is very clear in 1 Corinthians 1, though, that the natural man cannot discern the spiritual things. Mm -hmm. So as much as they try and as much as they think they are disproving, uh, they're just showing their ignorance. And so, you know, when we talk about how people approach the Word of God, I don't want to celebrate this one. I don't want to even really, sure. it's kind of just a sad one to talk about, but the reality <laughs> but is some people come to scoff. And in fact, in second Peter, he writes, know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. They are coming for the sole purpose of tearing down what God has said or trying to disprove it or setting themselves up as an opponent against it. So it's just good to be aware of. It's not like anyone listening to this is like, wow, I didn't realize that people were going against the word of God. <laughs> Actually reading the Bible, yeah. to, but from negative standpoint, yeah. yeah. Well, so let's then move in a at least more positive direction sure. and talk about exploring, those who read to explore. So my guess here is we're talking about people who 
are curious about God. They've heard about the Bible. They've heard perhaps about Christianity, or maybe they're even checking out multiple religions and they want to see where they land. So they pick up the Bible. They kind of don't even necessarily know where to start, but they just start exploring, start reading. Yeah, this one is a large scope. This casts a really it's wide net. Yeah, because there are people that are staunch secularists who recognize that to ignore the Bible is silly because it is the most published, best-selling book of all time. It has shaped the world more than any other piece of literature. So to be ignorant of it just on principle is doing yourself a disservice. And so some people will pick it up just as a historical document to understand something that has shaped the known world in such significant ways. And so they are exploring, in a sense. They're exploring this piece, this artifact. Other people, they maybe know someone who's a believer that goes to church. They don't know what exactly that means. Or maybe they're in a hotel room and they pull open the bedside sure. table and there is a Gideon's Bible, right? And they open it up. Or maybe they heard a reference in a TV show. Whatever the case may be, the Lord in his grace draws people to himself. And if we are sensitive to that drawing, uh, more revelation will come. And so some people come just to be curious to explore what the big deal is. And that's why they pick up and read the Bible. Yeah, I know that this one seems to be really prevalent around times of, of suffering for yep. people, things that they can't explain, yep. things they don't know how to deal with, often is a, a, a very easy intro door into an exploration. Yeah. yeah, I talked to pastor friends in the States, and 20 years ago, the Sunday after 9-11 that happened, cool. churches were packed, Yeah, packed all across the nation. And I have to think, and this is a bit of a extrapolation perhaps but if the churches were packed then bibles were also opened before mm -hmm. that even yeah so when that happened where do they go they're looking for meaning they're looking for clarity they're looking to explore something that people have said is the word of god they're looking for answers and comfort and that's where they go so i want to make sure we hit some practical notes here mm -hmm. um, before we move on but as believers how can we be helping people if we know that there are people that are exploring? Maybe we do have a friend who yeah. says, hey, I've been reading through the book of John and I'm so yeah. confused. What do we do? Oh, man. Well, you help in any way you can. Prayer, uh, I'm sure, would be for a, sure. the perfect start. Sometimes it's good to ask them how you can help them, knowing that they don't actually know what will be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a tricky balance to find as well, in my estimation. I think, yeah, pointing them sometimes to the right books to be reading uh, in the canon. You said the Gospel of John. I mean, that's wonderful. Someone picks up the Bible and just flips open to John for some reason. Hey, praise God. Yeah. That's awesome. If not, maybe point them there. <laughs> yeah, but oftentimes they read the Bible like they would read any other book. Why wouldn't they? And they start in Genesis. And Sometimes if they make it through that book, they're going to start getting into the weeds pretty quick. And so sometimes it's helpful just to direct them towards something that will be more helpful to them in their current spiritual state, mm -hmm. which is darkness. They need illumination. They need salvation. They need the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ. And so to point them to John or the gospel of Mark, and then maybe to be there for them when they have questions. Okay, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What on earth does that mean? I have no idea what's happening here. You can help them. See, you go down to verse 14, the word became flesh and start explaining, putting the pieces together, mm -hmm. giving them handles to hang on to as they work through this text and then praying like crazy that the spirit of God that wrote that text will continue to draw them work in their heart until they come to faith. So that'd be some ways that you can cheer them on in such a sense and commiserate with them. Hmm. Sometimes they'll get discouraged and you can say, oh, I've been there. I remember. And I'll be honest, there's some days, even now, you know, I read Second Peter, I read Isaiah and it is sometimes tough sledding 
And I just want to commiserate with you and tell you, I know what you're going through in some ways. Yeah, I was laughing to myself there when you made the implication that the weeds start after Genesis. And I was just thinking, man, there's some pretty weedy spots in That's Genesis true. as well. That is very true, yes. Especially for someone who's not read the Bible before. There's some very interesting stories there. Absolutely, yeah. And if they're coming from a, a secular point of view, even Genesis 1 and 2 right off the bat. If they get through Genesis 1 and 2, then, I mean, that's a big a big deal. But yeah, they just need help. And so, But I feel trying. like at least Genesis 1 and 2 and maybe Noah, maybe Joseph, there's some stories in sure. Genesis that are culturally known, sure. perhaps more, yeah. than some of the stuff we know Abraham and beyond. Yes. That can be a little, yeah. uh, little shocking or confusing yes. at times, yep. we might say. For sure, yeah. How can uh, Tamar, the Tamar story, be in uh, exactly. something written by God. That's yeah. exactly where my mind went because that came up recently yeah. teaching the book of Ruth. So, Josiah, we want to keep going. Let's talk about the idea of reading to bathe. That's a word I wouldn't think necessarily associated with the Bible as much. So maybe explain what you mean here. Sure. Let me just read from Ephesians 5. This is where this terminology came from. So that Christ may sanctify his church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. This idea of cleansing her by the washing of water with the word. And really this, I think if I remember correctly, was the reason I wrote this little piece, was because I think in the church, sometimes we don't really know what we're doing in the morning devotions or when we open the Bible just by ourselves. We go to church, we understand what well, that's going to happen. The, the preacher is going to open the word, explain the word, help us apply the word. I understand that. But when I sit down at home in the morning, am I trying to replicate that? Am I trying to do what the preacher did on Sunday? What am I supposed to be doing in the Bible? And I was raised to, you know, find application in the text. What will I do in the next 24 hours different because of what I just read? And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I did want to explore a potential liberation from that as well that there is something just cleansing about reading the word. Mm -hmm. It washes us. We go to the word just to bathe, to be cleansed from the soot and soil that we've picked up along the last 24, 48 hours. I read a psalm just because it lifts my mind to things above, sets them on things of Christ rather than the drudgery of this world. So again, this is I, I put this in here just to encourage us that we don't have to go to the Bible to take something from it to do necessarily. Mm -hmm. That's not a bad thing. Hear me well. But not every time does not it every need time. to be that. Yeah. Just be in the word. And there will be times you read the word and you're like, what was that about? <laughs> you know, those See sections. the topic we just talked about. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> and you might shake your head, but the reality is Hebrews 4 says the word is living and active. It will do its work. Mm. Just read it, ask the Lord to help you understand it, and then trust that he will and walk away. And so to come to the word just to be bathed in it and to be washed by it, I think is a legitimate reason and uh, motivation for coming to the scriptures. Mm -hmm. I'll mention here, either sometime before this podcast or sometime shortly after, we're going to be having a podcast coming out on the idea of this exact topic, meditating on scripture. So I encourage you to mm -hmm. look for it in the coming weeks, because uh, Tim and I talked about this topic very specifically. So... Josiah, the next one is to learn. And I think this one probably makes the most sense. It's probably one of the ones that any of us could kind of, I guess, spout off is, especially if we're Christians, we want to learn from the Bible. Yeah. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, meaning that we're walking in this life. We're living in this life. The word of God illumines our steps. You know, it shows us where to go. And we all need to learn. I need to learn how to parent better. I need to learn how to forgive better. I need to learn how to relate to my church family better. I need to learn how to worship the Lord better. I want to learn more about him. I want to learn more about all the implications of his 
atonement, the sacrifice of Christ on my behalf. I want to learn about heaven. I want to learn about hell. I want to learn about all of these things. Where do we go to learn these things? Listen, the culture, the church at large has many opinions about all of these things. Ultimately, only one source is the final authority, and that's where I want to go. And so sometimes we go to the scriptures. Oftentimes, we go to the scriptures to learn, to learn about our Creator, our Savior, the Holy Spirit who indwells us, to learn about us, to learn about the world, to learn about our future, etc. And this conversation can go on forever. I mean, it's sure. one of the reasons we have this resource, the podcast, yeah. is to explore the Word, to process it, to to learn of the Lord and His ways and His will so that we can illumine the path that we're walking. Sometimes it's topic-driven. I need to learn about this, so I go to the Word. Other times it's Word-driven. We go through the Word and we're learning about topics. Either way, it is educating us and shaping us. And ultimately helping us understand, as you said, God better, which is, I think, really important. One of the things that I've seen as an argument against perhaps the sufficiency of scripture or uh, things like that is the statement that we would all know, which is that the Bible doesn't talk about or give instruction for every specific topic. If I want to learn how to paint my house, I'm not going to find painting instructions in the word because that's not what it was designed for. But what I can do is I can go to the word and learn more about God and learn the value of hard work, the value of, you know, being precise, the value of putting in effort and anything that has to do with whatever it is I'm doing. Mm. And so I think it's, again, a really important point that we need to consider is how can we aim or hope to please God more if we don't actually know God more? Mm. We need to do that by reading his word and learning from it. Yeah. Well, the next one, I'm curious because to me this seems similar, and perhaps it is, perhaps it isn't, but people who go to the word to explain, where would you draw the distinction between learning and explaining? Yeah, the difference here is really the aim it's not as much self-centered as others-centered. So yes, I want to learn, but if I'm studying and going to the Word to explain it, what I mean by is by that is that I eventually want to explain that to someone to else. To someone else. That I understand that I'm part of this body, not for just my own growth. I do get to grow in the body, and in fact, I need the body to grow properly, but I'm not here like I'm at a buffet where I get to just pick and choose things of the church to do that will bless me and fill my belly. No, I'm here to give of myself for the betterment of other believers. And some people listening to this will say, well, I'm not a teacher. You know, I, I don't have a lot of opportunities. to." We never know when the Lord will use us, even in a one-on-one setting, to yeah. explain something. Someone comes and says, I just heard this the other day about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't fully grasp what's going on there. And you have in that moment an opportunity to explain. And in that moment, you are not going to probably have the chance to say, let me go to my concordance, go to my Bible, try to, <laughs> no, you need to draw out from the well that's already been dug and filled, right? And so in that moment, you say, well, let me try at least to explain that for you. So when we study, we're washed by the word, when we read to learn, but then we also read it with the, in the back of our heads, the the hidden intention, or not so hidden, that I want to eventually be able to explain this to mm-hmm. someone else. It could be that you're a Sunday school teacher. It could be that you're sure. you know, whatever, But it could also be just that you're a Christian, that you know that you're not in this just for yourself, that you're Mm -hmm. part of a body. And we exist for the building up of the whole. Uh, Ephesians 4 is very clear about that. Christ, as was his prerogative with his authority, gave gifts to the church, pastors and teachers, who get to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So the pastor equips the saints to be able to go and equip one another Mm -hmm. so that we grow to maturity, so that we're stronger. That is incumbent upon every member of the body. And so sometimes we read that we are nourished and we should do that so that we're washed, that we understand better, but we also go to the words that we are better equipped to equip others around us because we're all stronger when each of us is stronger. 
Yeah, and even thinking back through my own memory banks of, you know, profound statements or impacts that people have had on my life when it comes to, you know, revelation about the word or understanding about it, perhaps. Sure, many of those people are pastors or teachers or preachers or elders or whatever, but a bunch of the profound statements or moments of clarity that I've had in my Christian journey have just been from, like you say, other brothers and sisters who have come to their own realization or who have discovered something themselves or who have figured something out and want to share that. I often say you can really know that you've learned something if you're able to teach it or you're able to explain it to someone else. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to, then that's usually a good sign that maybe we need to go back and learn a little bit more. And I think that's a one of these here can be a really good litmus test for the other. Yeah. That if you want to, again, know what you've learned, try and explain it to someone. Yeah. It's also good in, in engaging with the unbelieving world as well. Sure. First Peter tells us to always have a reason, be prepared to give an offense for what we believe, for the reason, for the hope that we have. So it's not that we are foolproof and that, that we have an answer for everything that the unbelieving world comes against, but it's that we have ammo ready to go. We know the Lord deeply enough that we can explain at least the reason that we believe. Sure. We don't need to answer all of their objections. That's actually not even necessary. I just need to be able to tell them why it is that I believe yeah. because I've met the Savior and he's changed my life and I want to follow him. And that also gives us a growing conviction as well. So when we can explain, we explain at a hospital bedside when someone wants to be reminded of where they're headed as a believer, you know, as their life ticks away. All those things are opportunities for us to explain out of the well that we have dug in our own study um, to one another and build one another up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just being reminded as you give that example of a hospital bed of uh, a situation I heard of recently with a you know, a content creator online that I follow some of their videos sometime who's not a believer and recently diagnosed with cancer and in their room happened to be a believer who asked if they could pray for them and to share with them and, and just the impact that that had. They said, you know, I'm, I'm still not religious. I don't whatever, but it was very nice that this person was willing to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And I think what a great example <laughs> in that moment, I was convicted thinking, man, how often do I do that? Do I actually take a step out? Sure. I love to explain stuff to people here. I love to explain and, and teach the word to people at church, but how often am I willing and ready to do that in other circumstances as yeah, well? For sure. Well, explaining is one thing. Proclaiming obviously must be another because that is the number six on our list today, Josiah. Yeah. And this will be the most niche probably. <laughs> <laughs> or it is definitely the most probably yes. niche. <laughs> so the way I distinguish between explaining or teaching and preaching, which happens primarily on a Sunday morning, is that move to application. Yeah. We're not only saying, thus saith the Lord in preaching. Hopefully we're saying, now the Lord is calling us to do X as a body of believers, as individual Christians, because of this text, rightly understood, we are being pushed by the Lord and the power of his spirit to do or stop doing or to keep doing this specific thing. Again, I don't think we need to do that when we're being washed by the word. I don't think we need to do that when we're out in the world and we're teaching other believers. I don't think we need to do that necessarily. But I think that is something that is a necessity for faithful proclamation of the word to the body of Christ. So I just distinguish that in there. Again, probably number one and two on this list and this last one, which I think is number six, if I've been keeping count. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those are probably the least applicable to those people listening to this. It's sure. probably those, probably uh, three, four, and five that are most applicable. But it has to be said, just like the person coming to scoff, the one coming to proclaim, uh, they should be mentioned because they are reasons we go to the word. And so... As someone who does proclaim, what do I do when I go to the Word with proclamation as the end goal? It's just a very different way of studying. You approach it differently. It is, for sure. 
it's not completely devoid of being washed by it. It's not completely devoid of wanting to be encouraged by it and to learn to explain it and to all that kind of stuff. But its end point is more precise, I would say. So again, that would be the difference between, you know, a small group Bible study or Sunday school class versus the preaching moment on a Sunday morning. We I distinguish between the two. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, is is that well. point of application? You know, some people say anytime you go to the Word, you should be having looking to a- apply it some way. And I don't agree with that for a number of reasons. The, the Word of God can remind us, can prompt us, can, I may call these implications, where it makes me think of something in my life where I should repent of those kinds of things. But that isn't the application intended by that text. I don't want to conflate those two realities. Sure. Because application from the Word of God comes with a force that should we not heed that application, we're being disobedient. I wouldn't say that in a small group. No. That should you not do X, you're being disobedient. I wouldn't say that. I'd say, doesn't this make us think of this? And that's a great thing. It lifts our minds. And so in a small group, we're being washed by it. We're learning some things. And we're actually exhorting one another. We're explaining things to one another at the same time. But application, I would just say, is not necessary in those places. And so, yeah. So would you distinguish then between the phrase unapplication versus the application? Or is that getting too niche? I mean... You could. I just think it gets confusing. Yeah. That's why I use implication and application. They're uh, implication, words. that's a better yeah. one. Yeah, okay. You know, to apply the text is to say there's many applications. I say, ah, I'm not so sure. I don't think communication works like that. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're speaking, there is application embedded in what we're saying. Mm-hmm. And to miss that application means that we miss the whole. So again, this is getting really niche. But <laughs> <laughs> one of the reasons you go to the word is to proclaim it. Mm-hmm. Thus saith the Lord, we must do blank. And that is a very specific type of Bible study. Mm -hmm. So Josiah, given all of these things, as we kind of wrap up today, thinking about the idea of reading the Bible, would you just pray maybe now for us as we close for our church community that as we ourselves are engaging with the word and as we are engaging with other people, perhaps engaging with the word, that God would give us, you know, wisdom and insight into how to most profitably partake in that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who's communicated You're not silent, but you've spoken. We ask that you would cultivate in your children this desire to be in your word, not to come as scoffers or to come even to explore, but to come to be washed, to come and learn of you, and to come to explain it to brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the privilege it is to open your word, to learn at your feet, and to be changed by it. And we ask for your help to these ends. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are encouraged and learned something new. Visit oakridgebiblechapel.org to listen to sermons and for more information.